skew and we can't stand. Well, that's not going to make a change in the world. That's not going to stop anything. But we can change. We can actually try to have an understanding that there is only one quality in the heart which makes any difference to the outer world and to our own inner life. That there's only this one quality of love which makes it possible to live together in harmony. Now you know yourself that if a family lives together and they don't love each other, it's very difficult and very unharmonious and they soon split up and they're going to have a lot of verbal wars and they might even throw the crockery and if you work in an office where people don't have any regard for each other and compassion for each other for their difficulties life is extremely unpleasant we can only be together when we love each other. It seems as if that is such an obvious statement that one shouldn't have to make it. And yet, it's not being practiced. Jesus said, love thy neighbor as yourself. Well, it's the same thing, isn't it? Everybody agrees on it. All the spiritual masters have always agreed on it because it's obvious. We can't make it on this tiny little globe, this minute spaceship in the universe. We can't make it here if we don't love each other. Now, how are we going to do this? How are we going to love each other? Because we're all so imperfect. And we don't look so lovable. We're not so beautiful, attractive, handsome, clever, and all the rest of it. So how do we manage? We don't worry about any of those qualities. It doesn't matter. All we worry about is that our heart actually works properly and does what it's supposed to do. That's the only thing it's supposed to do. It's supposed to love. Love that which exists. Now we don't find it difficult to love a garden full of flowers. We don't find it so difficult to love a beautiful tree. Why do we find it so difficult to love each other? There's no difference. We're exactly the same same part of this totality of existence. Flowers and trees and frogs and spiders and people and dogs, it's all existence. And the sky and the stars and the moon, we're all in it together. And what we're actually doing, even though we were sitting here are not actually shooting, but what we're doing, we are destroying this existence on which we depend. We're destroying it through all sorts of things. Pollution, hate, 
argumentation, resistance, overuse of the Earth's um, wealth, overuse in some areas, so that other areas haven't got anything. All that is based, and can only be based, all that difficulty, on one cause only. We don't love each other. We don't even love ourselves. If we did, we would know how important it is for our own well-being to learn to love. We would learn that we can only be happy and peaceful if we have that quality within us. We don't love ourselves because if we did, we'd watch our thoughts and our emotions much better. We wouldn't go anywhere near negativity in our thoughts and in our emotions because they're poisonous for us. They're polluting. Just as we're polluting the environment and having great difficulty and keeping the environment alive enough to keep us alive, the same token we pollute our own mind and heart. Every time we're negative, every time we are angry, we have argumentation, whatever it may be that arises which is not loving, every time we pollute ourselves. And that doesn't spell loving oneself. It's very bad for our own environment. Now the main thing that we live in is our inner life. No matter how big or small our house, no matter how big or small our car, no matter how many people are in our family, we live in our own inner life. That's the one that has to be purified. That's the one we have to look after. If we learn to love ourselves, that's what we'll do. And when we actually do love ourselves, we will see what's necessary Loving oneself doesn't mean indulging oneself. Loving oneself means that we know what's good for our own peacefulness. And with that, we will have the ability to actualize some unconditional love towards other beings. Now, beings including everything that we can think of, but mainly people, because that's where we have the biggest difficulty. It's not even quite as difficult to extend love towards a little mouse that's not supposed to be in the house as it is to extend love towards complete strangers. Our whole learning situation, day in and day out, can be directed towards this understanding that every time we have anything within that is negative, 
be it ever so justified in our mind, it hurts ourselves. We are hurting ourselves. And by hurting ourselves, we are hurting the whole of humanity because we are humanity. We can never separate ourselves as we're so well trying, all of us. We go inside our houses or our apartments and lock the door and lock the windows and now we're safe. We're not. We can't be. There is no safety to be found, especially in that. The only safety we can find is within our own heart and mind where there can be peace. We try to separate ourselves by judgment and discrimination. And in a reality, we are one existence. If we meditate and our meditation comes together to concentration, we can actually experience the fact that there are no separate bodies and there are no separate minds. There just is space and consciousness. And all of us are part of that. It seems as if this would be an outstanding achievement but I may remind you of the fact that our scientists have known for decades that there isn't a single solid building block in the whole of the universe, that there are only energy particles coming together and falling apart. So all this separation, all these different people sitting on separate chairs, is an optical illusion, isn't it? And with that optical illusion, which we of course believe completely, we also then separate ourselves emotionally. And yet, if those scientists who found this out had included themselves in that understanding, they might have made an enormous change in the consciousness of mankind. And this is what we need a change in consciousness in each single person. And there's nobody that can do it for us. We all have to do it by ourselves, for ourselves. There's nobody else that can change our consciousness. The only thing that we can do and the help that we can get are the instructions which exist on the spiritual path. Buddha give, has given exact instructions how to go about it, how to go about the meditative path where we can experience that unity and totality of being and how we can go about the change from our negativities, our dislikes and hates towards that which is loving. When we change from negativity, it doesn't mean that we can no longer discriminate between that which is good and bad. That would be fatal 
because we ourselves wouldn't know what's good and bad. But it means that we actually learn, while we not, do not condone the crime, we can love the criminal. That is a learning that we can actualize in ourselves. Now the people whom we like, we can probably easily love. But those we don't like, that's where our learning situation starts. Now most people have at least one person in their lives whom they'd much rather not have. That's the one to start with. That's our teacher. And if we use that person as our teacher, we will wind up being extremely grateful to that person. Because at the end we will recognize that he or she made it possible for us to love that which we do not consider lovable. And if we do that and actually learn that, we then have started our heart quality so that it can extend and enlarge and go out to wherever we direct it to quite immaterial of what there is. It's not because a person wants to be loved, it's not because a person will love us back, it's not because a person needs love, it has no other cause and reason except that we have learned to use our heart for what it is meant to be used. Most people would like to be loved. Well, why not, we say? But what does it actually entail to be loved? In the first instance, it confirms what we have always suspected, that we're very lovable. And in the second instance, it does nothing else except give the person who loves us an occasion to use their heart quality. It's got nothing to do with our own heart quality. And here we have an instance where the more we give away, the more we've got, which is a law of nature which we never seem to believe. We always want to get. We want to get love. We'd like to get material goods. We like to get friends. We like to have safety and security. We want to get something. And we don't believe that the more we give away, the more we've got. But when we look at love, we can see it so clearly that it doesn't need any further explanation. The more love we give away to other people, obviously the more we've got in our own heart. And so it goes with everything. But all other things, we're very much afraid because we consider ourselves to be a unit, an entity, with distinct borders. Our bodies are the borders. And that, what's within those borders, has to be kept safe. And also should get as much of the good things as one possibly can. Now if you look at that, what I've just said for a moment, and then translate that 
into our international situation, you know where the international situation comes from. It is not useful to separate ourselves from them and be someone else. We're all doing it. We're all having this separation, this is me, and I want this within these borders safe. Don't let anybody trespass into it. Don't let anybody take anything away. I like to accumulate as much as I can. That is the consciousness we need to change. Mind you, it's easily said. It's hard work. It's the most important work that any human being can do. There's nothing more important. To let go of this idea that this is the border of this entity which has to be kept safe in spite of what anybody else wants and to accumulate as much as one can get. To change that to, I'm part of the whole and whatever the whole has, that's what I have. I don't have to keep it for myself. I like to give as much as I can so that there is a chance for a change of consciousness. If we have that kind of idea, then we may be able to bring it about. Each person has an influence on others. Each one of us influences those people that we get together. The way we think, the way we talk to them, the way we act towards them, all of us meet so many people every day. The way we look at them, the way we might frown at them, whatever it is that we do, it has an influence. If we talk to people about love, they'll start thinking about it. If we talk to people about hate and aggression, and wanting to have, that's what they'll think about. So we need to watch our own purity and not pollute that, and thereby be able to impart that to those around us. We have a lifetime's work there, and it can be done under all circumstances. We don't have to stop working in the office or wherever we're working. We don't have to stop looking after the house. We can do it while we're doing all those things. That's the beauty of it. If we take it seriously, that our human family and this little globe is in real danger, and I believe that it is, then each one of us needs to come to the rescue. And we can only rescue with what we've got. If we haven't got the material for rescue, how can we rescue anyone? If somebody's drowning and I can't swim, what good will I be to that drowning person? Let's all learn to swim. And then maybe we can help. Our daily work is spelled out for us. Every one of us meets people everywhere. But what is essential in that 
is introspection, to actually notice when we are without love. That's the essential aspect, that's the recognition. Blaming ourselves is totally useless because that's also negative, and then changing, gently, slowly, little by little. That's the one aspect, the daily living. Loving others sounds so simple, and yet we again and again stumble. Why? Because we have this idea of the things that we want from them. We've got the most horrible example of what happens when somebody wants something really badly. If this isn't going to sink in, this example, I don't think anything will. That's got to do it. It's never been brought home that much. We've never actually been participants. We're participants this time. It's all happening in front of our eyes. So when we see that, this is where our work lies. And as we do that, it may also occur to us that we need a quicker path. Because this is slow. To change one's ingrained emotional habits is not overnight. It's quickened and supported through meditation. Meditation is an automatic purification system. I'd like to mention that to you, whether you are interested in meditation or not, so that maybe you can become interested. In meditation, we have two directions, and the first one is to make the mind calm, to make the mind one-pointed to stay on the meditation subject. Now, if the mind stays on the meditation subject, it cannot possibly think anything negative, because when it does, it's no longer on the meditation subject. So we have an inbuilt, automatic purification system. The more often we do it, and the longer we stay one-pointed, the more purification takes place. What is actually happening within us, you can compare, if you like, to a garden that has weeds and flowers. We've got those. We've got weeds within us, and we have flowers. You all know that you've been angry. I think everybody knows that. And we all know we've also been loving. So we have weeds and flowers. Now, the weeds, of course, grow easier. Every gardener knows that. For some odd reason, weeds always grow quicker than the flowers. And they don't even need to be watered. <laughs> it's a very odd phenomenon. So what does a good gardener do? Goes out every day and pulls out a few of those weeds. So that the flowers have more nourishment from the soil and can also receive the rain, the watering, the sunshine 
which otherwise the weeds might get because they're overshadowing the flowers. Now, if the weeds have grown for a long time, they're very hard to pull out. The roots don't come out with them. Every gardener has had that experience. So what do we do? We cut them down so that they get smaller and smaller. And as we cut them down, again and again, their root system also becomes much weaker so that eventually we can pull them out. That's what happens in meditation. We don't pull out all our negativities, but we cut them down through non-use. The more we are one-pointed and the longer we can hold it, the more we cut down the weeds so that eventually the root system also becomes weak enough for us to pull it out. This is a simile for calm and insight. Calm is the action of cutting the weeds down and insight is the action of uprooting them. Obviously, calm is the means inside the goal. But we've got to start somewhere, we've got to do something. This is the time to do it. There is no better time, there is no other time than now. There is only now. See, the past is irrevocably gone. And with our notoriously bad memories, we don't even remember it properly. And the future is the yet to come. It's a hope and a prayer. We hope it's going to come. Well, but when it actually does come, it's called the present. So it doesn't exist, except in our imagination. We have only one moment, and that's this one. The rest is all fantasy. So this is the time to start. To start cutting down the weeds so that the flowers have more nourishment in the ground and can have the water and the rain and the sunshine. And as we do that, through meditation, gaining the skill of meditation, we also have the phenomena of touching upon our own inner purity. When the meditation has come to the point that it's no longer the use of the method, but the mind is actually at peace, at ease, we touch upon that inner purity that all of us have. Because if we didn't have it, there'd be no point in talking about it. It's useless to talk about something that doesn't exist. We have it. But we have covered it over with our thinking, our views and opinions, our attitudes, and our negativities. And so we can't see it. We don't know it. We have maybe an inkling when we are quiet within ourselves that there should be something more than what we're experiencing in life. And because there isn't, we put the blame on outside conditions. In this case, we have a perfectly um, made 
um, blame situation, all we have to say is, well, it's them having a war, and of course, how can one be peaceful? So we don't even have to look for anyone to blame. But usually, when that doesn't happen, when we haven't such a perfectly, a perfect situation for that, we look for somebody. And we always find somebody, of course. And it's usually the people around us who are physically nearest, because those are the easiest to blame. Because we know there's something more within us that should bring peace and happiness, but it's not available. We can't find it. And so there must be something wrong. But we don't recognize the fact that what's wrong is that we haven't touched upon it. It's there. We all have it. We can find it. And in meditation, it's the only way to find it. Because that's the only time when the mind stops thinking and starts experiencing. And as it touches upon that experience of inner purity, one has that immediate recognition of this is what I was looking for. It's all within me. And as one has that recognition, one is of course strengthened in one's determination to make that a steady experience and not a want only, or only when one sits down to meditate. So what I would like to leave with you is the combination of the meditative process which is learnable, it's a skill like any other, anyone can learn it. There's nobody that is not capable of it. The only people who don't come to that point in their lives where they get in touch with their inner purity are those who don't practice. Anyone can do it. The combination of the meditative process with our process of introspection in daily living, noticing each moment as it occurs and changing ourselves to a different level of consciousness, which eventually will have sufficient repercussions. One cannot imagine that it wouldn't have. It must have, because we've seen the opposite. So if that has the repercussions it has, this will have it too. I will do a guided loving-kindness meditation with you, but before I do, if you have any questions, you can direct them to me now, and then I'll try and answer, and then we'll do the loving-kindness meditation together. <coughs>
work life in along the line of going all the way. Uh, as I said um, earlier, we don't condone the crime, but we still love the criminal. There's no, the Buddha said, hate is never conquered by hate.